Welcome to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at silverscreenandroll.com or on social at LakersSBN. I am Christian Rivas, and I'm joined by my good friend Grant Goldberg. And Grant, we have a lot to talk about, some good, some bad, uh, but we should probably open the show with uh, the big news that came out after the game. Uh, which is the fact that Rajan Rondo suffered a broken right hand and will be out for at least a few weeks, according to head coach Luke Walton. Uh, Of course, that means Lonzo Ball is going to have to step up in his absence. Uh, But And do you think that's something he's capable of doing? Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we get into the whole Rondo-Lonzo thing, I just want to point out that we were both wrong about this three-game stretch. The Lakers went undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we did, but, uh, we did but, uh, two different variations of two and one. Right. And, you know, as as much credit as Tyson Chandler deserves for all of it, um, <laughs> Lonzo Ball's play has been more impressive than any stretch of the season so far. Uh, he's shown uh, more consistency shooting the ball. He's more mm-hmm. decisive with what he wants to do with the ball when he has it in his hands. And uh, he's still contributing defensively. Uh, he doesn't have uh, such happy feet right now. And so that's what you want. You want that consistency. Uh, you want your, your point guard, especially a point guard like Lonzo, to be this steady force coming out of your backcourt. And that's just what he's been. And, you know, I think that's a good sign uh, going forward in these next four weeks without Rajon Rondo because uh, you you really, I mean, he, he has no option but to step up. Um, mm-hmm. This this team has a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of maybe players at you know backup point guard. And you have you have Alex Caruso who can maybe be a productive backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you have Isaac Bong who's maybe ready for just like a few minutes a game in in NBA action. And then you know besides that, and I think the most appealing option is Brendan Ingram handling Definitely. some of the back backup yeah. point guard duties or just playmaking duties overall. Because uh, you you call his uh, fit with LeBron into question a little bit. Uh, he's trying to be try, not forcing the issue, but you know mm-hmm. looking to go get his because uh, his his game doesn't really mesh with LeBron. So when he has the ball in his hands, uh, you don't know when he's going to get those opportunities. And so you know having him in more of a playmaking role is going to help have the ball uh, get a little more energy, uh, force him to be a quick decision maker, and uh, really have him flow better in the offense. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, out of Lonzo Ball being a steady force and, and keeping up the stellar play, and Brandon Ingram being a little bit more decisive and uh, just contributing to the offense more as a whole player instead of just as a scorer trying to uh, fill it up on the stat sheet. I'll tell you what I don't want to see, but we're probably going to get a ton of, is uh, Lance Stevenson at Mm -hmm. the point guard, which is going to be, I mean, they they tried a little little bit this season when when Rondo was suspended, and it was a nightmare, uh, something I hope, 
I didn't have to see for the rest of the season, but it looks like we might get that again. And Luke Walton also mentioned Shvi Mikhail Luke as somebody that can step up at the point guard position. And I like what I've seen from him um, as far as playmaking. He's shown flashes of playmaking that I, I didn't see a ton from him in college. Uh, but I went to go watch him at the South Bay Lakers game the other day. And his shot still, it, it looks like it still needs work, which is completely normal for a rookie. Um, he got fans, I think, a little bit too excited with uh, how he looked in summer league, looking like a like a young Clay Thompson. But he he definitely isn't, you know, somebody you can depend on for ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes a night, in my opinion. Uh, just from what I saw him. Uh, doing the G League the other day. So that's going to be interesting. One thing I think we should point out is just how well Lonzo Ball played when Rondo uh, was serving his suspension earlier in the season. And it was probably, uh, it was a really small sample size. It was only three games again. Uh, but it's probably his best stretch this season. He was put up 12.7 points, 6.3 rebounds. 6.7 assists and 2.7 steals on 50% shooting from the field and 40% shooting from behind the arc. And uh, I think we saw a little bit of that tonight uh, against Portland, which we'll get to more in a bit. Uh, but, I mean, the Lakers, as of tonight, are 3-1 and one when Lonzo plays more than 30 minutes, which, you know, if you're Luke Walton, it's not it's not really rocket science. Just play Lonzo Ball more. And see the results, and I, I think we saw a little bit of that tonight. Yeah, um, and and it's hard to just uh, give all the credit to one player being able to play minutes, but mm-hmm. the the thing is with Lonzo, and you know we've said it for as long as he's been in the in the NBA, as long as he's been on the Lakers, that you know he isn't the player that you know his impact isn't just scoring and so you know whenever his shooting was called into question and rightfully so uh it it's a little unfair to Lonzo as a player because he impacts the game in so many ways and so having Lonzo out there on the floor for as much time as possible is only going to benefit the Lakers he he's he's making plays for other people he's you know mm-hmm. setting them up def- he's being in the right positions defensively he's using his quick hands uh both you know uh, on defense and then setting up uh, people with quick decisions on on offense and so you know he he does everything uh so well and he's even shooting the ball better but he rebounds he pushes the ball mm-hmm. he uh he just makes the right plays he makes the winning plays and you ha- can't have enough players like Lonzo Ball on the floor for you at the same time. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's as easy as just throwing him out there for as long as you can, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's working for Luke right now. And uh, and in a time where he's still trying, he's going to still have to figure out which lineups work better for him now, now that Rondo's out for this extended period of time, having uh, a dependable option to throw out there at point guard for, you know, 30-plus minutes a game is going to do wonders for Luke and make this uh, a little bit of an easier situation than maybe it would have been earlier on in the season and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like we're completely down on Rajon Rondo either because in in his role he's been he's been pretty darn good this season um especially with and it's something that Tyson Chandler brought um to to everybody's attention the other day is that he is an extension of the coaching staff on the court because 
of the high basketball IQ player he is. And, you know, you don't you don't find guys like that in the league just willy nilly, like and especially not on a young roster like the Lakers. So uh, I think it's it's definitely going to be hard to replace him in that respect. Uh, But I think uh, from, you know, just the from a playing standpoint, Lonzo Ball does a lot of the same things Rajon Rondo does. Uh, but because he's younger and because he has a more reliable jump shot, uh, you can argue that he's he's the better option to Rondo. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Luke Walton does. I'm a little worried because, again, like we said, his rotations um, have been a little wishy-washy this season. But uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, I I think what we we can both what we can both agree on is that Lonzo will rise to the challenge. At least that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, and if not, we we just have to expect Isaac Bonga's rise to domination just to come <laughs> a little bit faster. So the Lakers won 126-117 against the Portland Trailblazers after seemingly not beating the Trailblazers for the longest time. They've now won back-to-back games, not only against the Portland Trailblazers, but they've won their last four straight games in uh, six of their last seven games. So it's a really good time to be a Lakers fan. And, you know, it not not to, to take anything away from the strides the team has made, or the adjustments Luke Walton has made, but I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge that this has all happened since Magic Johnson had that little talk with Luke Walton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, sometimes you, sometimes I mean, you, you gotta a have a push. fire lit under your ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, we saw this last year. At, I'm gonna shout out LeVar Ball for a second. <laughs> But you know, I, uh, he you know called Luke Walton into question, said he lost the locker room, mm-hmm. and then you know they they responded with their best stretch of games uh, of the season last year, and I think we're seeing something similar right now. Uh, although you know this this team's a little bit better prepared to win, and uh, we're we're seeing just that. Um, I, I guess. If I'm if I'm Magic Johnson right now, I have very little to complain about. Uh, maybe in the style that they're winning these games and uh, and the uh, I'll, I'll call it high thrill fourth quarters uh, <laughs> has everybody on the edge it, of yeah. their seat. Um, but I, I, it's hard to complain. It's hard to complain. Uh, you see what an addition like Tyson Chandler does. Just a reliable uh, second big, uh, first big off the bench. You know, can do for this Lakers lineup not having to uh, uh, overexhaust the option that's JaVale McGee mm-hmm. and uh, put put guys like you know Jonathan Williams and and Zubats on the floor who you know aren't really viable options uh, long term if you're going to play them extended minutes mm-hmm. and so you know there's these you know subtle things that you can add to the roster. Uh, Magic Johnson said you don't have an offensive system. Luke Walton said I don't have a backup center, and they kind of met in the middle. Yeah, that was we're, which we, I think is phenomenal. That was probably my favorite part of the report. Is right. that that Magic was like, well, you guys are bad on both ends of the floor, and Luke's like, buddy, I have one center. 
throw yeah. me a bone here. And then Magic was like, all right, I'll make a call. Or at, at, at and least then according LeBron to the... was like, all right, <laughs> I'll make a call. Yeah, that was a... It, it unfolded well for them. And uh, speaking of LeBron, my God, what a night he had uh, against the Trailblazers. 44 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, an assist shy of a triple-double uh, to go along with three blocks and a steal. And if that wasn't enough, he also passed Wilt Chamberlain for fifth on the NBA's all-time scoring list. It was... It, it's not... That uh, that a performance like that should be surprising from LeBron James, but it's not one that Lakers fans have seen from him yet. And right. I think it was it was a breath of fresh air to see like, oh, OK, this is the guy we signed. He can yeah. go off on any given night. And uh, I was I, obviously I, I was blown away by what I saw and to, to see that that's the type of guy that uh, the Lakers have on their team now. Well, it's like we we even talked about this on an, an earlier show mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in the season that, yeah, LeBron is going to get his night in, night out. You know, he's going to get close to a triple double. He's going to have, you know, 25 plus points, you know, eight rebounds, seven assists. And that's the LeBron game. That's just, you know, a, a, uh, just punching in and, and punching out. But we were yet to see this kind of exceptionally dominant game from LeBron. And that's what we saw playoff LeBron tonight. We yeah. saw LeBron step up, rise to the occasion against a, a playoff caliber team. He, the Portland Trailblazers were second in the Western Conference going coming into tonight. I still think they sit there right now. But he took this game and said, you know what? You know, I'm here in the Western Conference. You know, I'm going to get my playoff spot. And if you need any further convincing, here this is. (laughs) And so he he went out there and hit the most absurd shots that I've seen him take as a Laker so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, That 30-foot pull-up jumper. uh, To to almost close the second half. uh, First half. Absolutely crazy. It was ridiculous. My Mm -hmm. jaw almost hit the floor. And you know we saw we saw him you know pull up uh, from you know three feet behind the three point line and these uh, these baskets just barely go over the front of the rim but they hit and uh, he was five for five to start off from three point range and I yeah. think he just missed his last three point attempt but uh, we just saw how effortless the game came to him tonight uh, where he was rolling to the rim and just. Ex- just uh, effortlessly glided to the hoop for an easy dunk or uh, setting up his teams with no-look lob attempts. Like, this is the most ridiculously fun, amazing basketball player we could we could ever watch right now. I think it's him and Steph Curry that you could put in this, in that kind of category mm-hmm. to uh, today, at least uh, when, I mean, I guess when Russell Westbrook is doing crazy things with his athleticism, yeah. you can make the case for him too, but it, it's just incredible. It's a sight to behold. And uh, we're, it's, it's crazy that, that he's a Laker and we're afforded the opportunity to talk about <laughs> this caliber of a game uh, in the regular season. I think, 
you know, Cavs fans did a good job of saying, you know, the the regular season, uh, there's, it's going to be kind of turbulent. It's not going to be, you know, a walk through the, the flower patch. But, you know, every now and then there's going to be that LeBron, you know, landmark game. And I think tonight was one of them. And uh, it was just incredible to watch. I think the and and you talked about it the the wild three pointers he made I think that was a big reason his game opened up not just tonight but as of late because I mean it, the the first half of the season which sounds sounds kind of silly to say because we're only fourteen games into the season but the first half of the season his outside shot just was not falling which is weird because last year he was such a good shooter. Um, but uh, in the last seven games, he's been shooting 46.3% from behind the arc on 41 attempts. And he made, as you mentioned, five three-pointers on Wednesday. And I think if he if he continues to knock it down, maybe not at that rate, but, you know, a respectable range around uh, 38, uh, 39%, that's going to open things up a lot for him. Because the biggest problem with the Lakers right now um, – arguably is their floor spacing and LeBron James is the best when you know he has room to operate and he hasn't had that because the Lakers don't have reliable shooters but if he becomes that reliable shooter that that just that changes a lot of things not just for the Lakers but for him and and the, the craziest part about it is that even with his outside shot not falling he's still second in the NBA in scoring only behind Steph Curry who had like one of the most monstrous stat lines this season. So um, the fact that we're just now seeing uh, <laughs> what what we can expect from LeBron James going forward, maybe not on every night, because like you said, it's the regular season. We're 14 games into the season. But in a seven-game playoff series, you got a guy like that that can go off whenever he feels like it. You got to feel good as a Lakers fan uh in the in the position your team's in yeah definitely and i think i think you you made a good point of you know lebron is best when he has room to operate and uh space to move around in and he's given himself that space and even if his shot isn't falling uh you you mentioned it over the last seven games uh, he has i'm just going to point out the the sheer attempts that he has he's averaging almost six attempts per game from three yeah. which you know uh, if it's hidden or not, the defense is going to have to respect LeBron and his ability to shoot nowadays. And uh, he's going to give him that space, you know, whether the, the shot's falling or not. The fact that 46.3% of his of his shots are going in on that kind of volume over these last seven games is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, it's it's incredible because, you know, a lot was made of the lack of shooters on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to see LeBron round into form in that, in that uh, category, it uh, puts me at ease a little bit more. And I think um, just the, the first seven games, maybe LeBron had to adjust to the stable center rims a little bit more, that being his home gym. Mm -hmm. I I know LeBron is a a basketball freak, genius, uh, wizard kind of player, (laughs) but uh, and who can memorize everything and anything about a team, uh, including, you know, how, you know, 
the ball goes off the rim at a certain arena and you know the spots on the floor that he likes to shoot from but uh you know I, I think there is an adjustment period for any person uh just uh, moving from one gym to another and so I think we're, we saw that a little bit with LeBron and now he's comfortable and we're seeing that uh that correction to the mean and uh he's he's getting better and you know, hopefully you know he continues to get could you imagine and I, I know this is ridiculous to say and and it's you know I don't even think I should say it but you know if there was a player to shoot like 50 50% from 3 on like a super like on a on a really high volume and while just being crazy dominant in every other facet of the game offensively like, wouldn't it be LeBron James? Like, absolutely. We we, yeah. we saw him not have a respectable jumper at his uh, at the beginning of his career, and for him to you know be at this point right now, uh, where he's you know not just a respectable shooter, but a legit threat from the three point line. Like, I don't think it's insane to say, you know, maybe you no, know, maybe he can get even better from three point. I don't, I don't know. That's, maybe yeah, that's maybe horrifying. I'm just spitballing, but you know. Who knows? I don't know how many other I don't know how many NBA players listen to our podcast. My guess is none. Uh, but if I was an NBA player listening to this podcast, I, I quiver at the thought of LeBron James getting better than than he is right now. Yeah, I mean, the the number of NBA players that listen to the podcast, um, I'm just going to say there could be more. um but it's it's largely unknown so if you are an nba player listening to our podcast out of the you know um innumerable um, innumerable amount of podcasts you could be listening to we respect you and thank you and uh, want you to join the lakers absolutely especially if your name is kevin durant but we, we won't get to that well, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, just concerning other other players, <laughs> but uh, I, I'd, I'd take Kevin Durant over uh, some other names connected to the Lakers right now. So the Lakers, as expected are expected or reportedly expected uh, to pursue Carmelo Anthony if he is waived by the Houston Rockets. And this report came the day after uh, a report by Mark Spears came out saying that the Lakers have no intentions of signing Carmelo Anthony. Champagne bottles were already out. The party was already thrown. And then the very next day, a report comes out that the Lakers might be interested in Carmelo Anthony. Without using any explicit terms, how are you taking this news? Are you okay? Is everything all right with you, Grant? Why are you the way you are? (laughs) I hate everything you choose to be, Carmelo Anthony. Um, If you would... um, So let's, let's try to each say something nice about him before we talk about why he would be such a bad fit on this team. I'll start. Okay. Despite the fact that he has not won a ring in his career, with all that he's accomplished um, at the, the college level, at the international level, 
I think he is a first ballot Hall of Famer just because uh, at, at his peak, he was one of the most dominant scorers the NBA has ever seen. And I think even with his unwillingness to accept that he's not that anymore, I think he should still be respected as, you know, somebody that was at one point a very, very good basketball player. That was mine. The floor is yours, Grant. Well, you kind of you kind of hijacked that. I was, I was just <laughs> about to say, um, I think Carmelo Anthony is without a doubt a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'll, I'll go as far to say that. Um, but since you already said that, um, an, a, another good thing about Carmelo Anthony is his online presence. Uh, the amount of photos of him uh, drinking wine uh, rivals the amount LeBron has, which is you know clearly respectable and yeah. Uh, um, telling haters to uh, duck sick um, for, for his words, his words yeah. uh, was also just, I have to tip my cap to him. My fictional cap that I'm not wearing uh, just did that in, in my bedroom. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to get into why, you know, he's not a good fit for this team. And uh, it starts with that. Carmelo Anthony isn't good at basketball anymore and that's yeah. okay. Um, but, uh, it's, it's for a couple different reasons, you know, a player, you know, deteriorates over time with injuries, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, uh, their, their game isn't such a good fit for the type of player they want to be right now. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of hesitance from Carmelo Anthony in accepting a different role. You know, I don't think that, I think there's a few, of, uh, a few players that we, we've seen, kind of refuse that role change uh, and I don't want to name names Bobby Cryant um, <laughs> but we, we've seen it in in certain cases like Vince Carter uh, even even Dwayne Wade in, in, a, in a certain in certain scenarios um, really accept different roles to help the team and, and help win games and so we we see the usage go way down we see them you know change their games tailor it to uh, increase the longevity of their career and we're seeing the exact opposite from Carmelo Anthony right now and it's the worst possible thing for him trying to uh, get onto a team uh, the the best thing he's got going is that he's friends with a lot of NBA players and you know a lot of uh, former players are in front offices and uh, they have this upstanding image of Carmelo Anthony as a player and are willing to give him that you note know, that uh, not even second shot or third shot but fourth shot uh, after he's left uh, a few different teams now. Mm-hmm. I I think. The only argument I'd be able to make for Carmelo Anthony on the Lakers, please no, <laughs> is and and like I said, I, I'll it, it'll startle you when I say it, but I'm gonna go into it, so don't cut me off. But that the Lakers need shooting, that is undeniable, and Carmelo Anthony is a shooter if nothing else. <laughs> the only problem is. The type of shooting he can bring to the Lakers is not the type of shooting they need. They don't need, uh, you know, pull-up mid-range jumpers because Lord knows they have enough of that from Brandon Ingram right now. And um, his three-point shooting is his best quality. But he's shown in the past few seasons, uh, particularly last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
Like he doesn't want to be a spot-up shooter. He still wants to be the focal point of a team's offense. And when you have, you know, guys like Kyle Kuzma on the roster already, uh, he'd be sharing a second unit with Lance Stevenson. Um, it would be an absolute disaster. And I, I, I really hope... I, the, the good thing about it right now is that the Lakers technically cannot sign him unless they waived somebody. And obviously, if they were interested enough, I think they'd be willing to part ways with Davica Zubats, who has completely fallen out of the rotation since Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee have played such prominent roles this season. Um, or they could trade for him, which I, I also wouldn't mind if they got a pick or a young player back. But there is no way... For anyone on the roster, including any uh, Ivica Zubats, am I trading anything straight up for Carmelo Anthony? Well, you, you talk about young players, and uh, I mean, who who would you even want from Houston? They, they, yeah, they drafted that. Uh, I think he's a a, a German kid. Um, this this past draft, I think his name's Harrenstein. I don't oh, know. Oh, like Isaiah, I, Isaiah yeah. Hardenstein, or yeah, yeah. He's uh, I I wouldn't mind him back in a trade. My point is, I would not just want Carmelo Anthony. No, I think that would be you can anybody on the Lakers roster for Carmelo Anthony straight up would be an unbalanced trade. Well, and 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 it'd be kind of redundant because if well if you added Carmelo Anthony to this mm-hmm. Lakers roster, uh, you'd have two guys that observe themselves as the focal point of uh, of a unit uh, that aren't in Lance Stevenson and Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. and that begs the question: Who would you rather have in that second unit? Uh, you know, being that focal point, or them hijacking it and making themselves the focal point. And I, I lean somebody, but I want to hear your answer first. I think, I think Lance, only because his handle is so much more tight than Melo's. Like, I, I don't know how much Melo can create his own shot in the glorious year of 2018, um, and he offers. On some nights, Lance Stevenson, playmaking and rebounding, and Carmelo Anthony does not. So that's that's where I lean towards. I'm I'm interested to hear your answer though. Well, almost word for word, you you said why I would want Lance Stevenson as yeah. the focal point. Um, uh, more than more than anything, too, I think it provides a little bit of comedic relief. Uh, in these <laughs> Lakers games, because obviously you have these playoff expectations, and uh, every game has been well, not every game, but most of these games have been so close and and you know tension filled, and having that uh, that potential for uh, a ball to bounce off a guy's leg and then hit his face and then do a three sixty dribble, uh, <laughs> it's it's you know one of a kind, and so you know. I lament the fact that Lance Stevenson is on the roster right now, but uh, in having him uh, on the roster right now, uh, we do get to see those kind of plays, and you know, it reminds you that you know basketball is a game, and it's not to be taken so seriously. Uh, but I, I do want to point out a, a little uh, error in your judgment about the rebounding, and and excuse me, I think this falls into uh, what we're allowed to say, just because it's a it's a quote. 
Um, <laughs> Melo yelling, I got it, fuck out of the way. Um, that That's just second to none, the best thing in the NBA yeah. uh, right now. Absolutely. Um, and, so, yeah. and so having Carmelo doing that on the roster would bring a smile to my face, but literally him being on the roster for anything else would be a negative for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean that would be my top thing on the scouting report as well. Is um, is the his his catchphrases or his one catchphrase? Uh, the other rumor that that surfaced over the weekend or uh, earlier this week was the fact that the the Seventy Sixers reportedly have interest in trading for Contavious Caldwell Pope. And if this were any other time during the season, I think I'd say like. Okay, well, just give me a, a half-empty bag of Cool Ranch Doritos and we'd be cool. Um, the KCP has shown signs of life lately, and I think much to the to the delight of Lakers fans because not only does that change the ceiling of this roster, but it also implies that he has some trade value and that there's a reason teams might be interested in him beyond what he showed last season. Uh, so I, my, my only thing is, I don't know what I would even want back from the 76ers in a trade involving KCP. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really weird because, um, they're at this point, the 76ers where they don't have a whole lot to give up to the Lakers that really fit their timeline. Um, you could argue JJ Redick, but you know, you kind of question whether, you know, that's a little bit redundant in the return. Um, and so I, I think, you know, KCP, to to make the case for him, you know, playing so well and having trade value, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's kind of fit his old bill of that, you know, high-energy defensive player. Because I'm not going to straight up call him a 3 and D because, you know, some nights you're not going to get that defense. But, you know, he has energy. He, you know, scraps on that end of the floor. So he's a high-energy defensive player. And we're seeing that three-point shooting number get a lot better. Um, just having him be a, a respectable shooter uh, does a lot for this second unit. Uh, allows them to space the floor a little better, uh, not clog up the paint. And um, it, it's just nice to see it from a confidence standpoint too, because we see him taking these, we take take the shots, and you know even he looks unsure of shooting the ball. And so um, it, it's just nice to see him, you know, confidently step into it and see those kind of rhythm shots that we saw last year too. We saw him at you know in spurts, you know, step into these three pointers and and be able to knock it down off the back of the rim. And we saw we've seen a lot of that in these last few games. Um, and when he's on in transition, you know, it's fun to watch. He has some exciting dunks and, uh, he kind of effortlessly floats to the rim on some of these layup attempts. Uh, and we don't see that kind of train wreck KCP on in transition like we're used to. And Mm so, uh, just having him be a confident player does a lot. And, uh, as long as the shooting numbers are high, I think, uh, we're going to see that confident player and we're going to see that trade value rise. And it's, it, I think it's important <laughs> to remind everyone, it's not too long ago, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was the starting shooting guard at the Lakers, and they handed him that contract uh, worth $12 million this summer. Uh, and nobody had a problem with it because he was good last year. I mean, 
for the second half of the season at least he he was a very good player even even and, taking up the month of december only when he was in yeah. jail he was solid throughout the whole year definitely and i think that's what um you know prior to this stretch of games that's what philly's banking on uh getting from him because they lost robert covington in that blockbuster trade for jimmy butler and i think they're uh, not only does kcp kind of replicate that assuming he you know plays at his his best but he's also on an expiring contract and it and it keeps flexibility on their books for next year for that reason really the only trade that would make sense for the same reason for the lakers would be contavious caldwell pope for wilson chandler straight up but i would argue that contavious caldwell pope at his best is a better player than Wilson Chandler, not just because of his age, uh, but I think he offers a little more versatility than Chandler. And so, in my opinion, that would not be enough. And say if, it, I know you want to. <laughs> if a trade like that were to go down, I would want to pick or a young player. And here's 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 my trade package to the Philadelphia 76ers. I haven't looked at the numbers. This is a trade made with my heart. <laughs> my heart doesn't have numbers. My heart doesn't have a salary cap. It has it's, chambers. <laughs> it's KCP, Michael Beasley, and Lance Stevenson for Wilson Chandler and Zaire Smith, who was their first oh. round pick this year. And he's he's not going to play this year, I don't think. He got injured. And then the worst part about it is as he was recovering, he had some like crazy allergic reaction that set his uh, recovering time back a few months, weeks. And uh, I mean, what bad luck for the kid. But if he's not going to play this year and the Philadelphia 76ers are in win now mode, that's a trade I could see them making. But that's assuming they want to win this year. And I think they do. And I think... If a, if a package like that were to come the Lakers' way, I, I don't see why they wouldn't pull the trigger. Just as an NBA fan, having Jimmy Butler and Lance Stevenson share a locker room. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't even think of that. But I thought I thought you were going to say Fultz. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, and <laughs> I got a lot of heat on this um, earlier in the year, and I don't know if I stand by my take. But I I said there are only a few players I'd take before Lonzo Ball in a redraft. And Markel Fultz was one of them because even with the knowledge that he forgot how to play basketball. Literally he forgot. <laughs> yeah. And still still really hasn't learned how to play it again. I think Fultz or I thought Fultz had less question marks to his game than Lonzo did. And I am willing to say that maybe I was wrong because not that I wouldn't take Fultz back in a trade, but if I had the option between Zaire Smith and Markel Fultz in a trade today, I think I would have to have a really long conversation with myself. 
Well, are we sure that Zaire Smith isn't gonna forget how to play basketball? <laughs> like, is what? this is this gonna happen with Sixers prospects going forward for now it's on? Something, it's something in the water in the training facility, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, like maybe a new regime came, or like a new irrigation system was put in right after Ben Simmons recovered from his injury. I don't yeah. know, man. He Ben Simmons still refuses to shoot a three. Uh, Do you know why? Because he's a coward. He's a, he's a coward. <laughs> There's there's yeah. few things that that Lakers Twitter can or Lakers fans can you know bond with Celtics fans over, but calling Ben Simmons a coward can be one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know I think I think I'll make this argument, and you know it's a very weak argument that stands on very short, un, not steady legs. Um, and this is 14 games through the season. I'm gonna say it: the Lakers fixed Lonzo's shot. <laughs> So I mean, why not try it with Fultz? Yeah, go yeah, out, I mean. go out, get him uh, midway through December. Go out, get an early Christmas present named Marco Fultz, and uh, see what you can do. At at least you have another young player who you know is a sponge and can learn from LeBron and the playmaking ability that he has. Mm-hmm. And uh, be sure in your situation long term going forward. Uh, you know, beyond this year, Rondo's only on a one-year deal. I could see him coming back next year, but uh, just having some stability outside of Lonzo Ball in that point guard position could do wonders. And I think, you know, maybe you know if he could be had, um, and you can do some work surrounding that jumper, um, you know, why not try to get Marco Fultz? I don't know. And and and, and it's to say Philly has a really low asking price for him, and I doubt that. Uh, he's still, I mean, a former number one overall pick. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's especially because they held out for if they held out for so long for a better offer for Jaleel Okafor because he was a top five pick. I don't think they're going to give up on Markel Fultz that soon. But uh, it would definitely be an interesting trade that I'm sure would be met with no criticism for the Lakers. None at all. Every, yeah, everybody would just be okay with it, and Magic Johnson would, uh, you know, sit atop of the general manager totem pole like he always has. Um, Grant, before we go, I have another round of predictions for you because we did so well last week. Uh, the Lakers have a pretty easy and i say easy lightly because you never know which lakers team's going to show up on uh, on a given night but we got orlando in orlando uh, and then we got miami the next day and then a few days later lebron james makes his return to cleveland what what do you um what <laughs> do you think these games will look like and how will they end you know what? I'm gonna stay on the two and one train, um, just because it's a three game road, uh, three game span on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this Lakers team has the Miami Heat's number right now, uh, going back to last season. Uh, but who's to say they don't? They, I mean, Miami just comes out and you know comes out in their vice uniforms and has the Lakers, you know, just in all they're of so them, beautiful, just distracted. Those- those vice uniforms are phenomenal. That, some of the best uniforms ever. Absolutely. And the Lakers 
city jerseys are the opposite of that. We didn't they talk about that. we didn't talk about those at all, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, they don't deserve our our breath, our commentary. Um, but I think they win yeah. the game in Miami, and I think they cruise in Cleveland. Orlando, however, is the game that I think they might stumble. In. Really. Really, you know, I've, huh. we we saw them beat the Hawks on a second game of a back to back. That's true, but I don't know. We I I I can't get over that game at Orlando last year. Mm-hmm. Completely different team, I know, but it it that just feels like a trap game. I don't know. That's just a gut feeling. You know, for all I know, the, the Lakers probably coast in that game uh, and and lose a tougher game against Miami. But as 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 far as I'm willing to go, I think maybe it's a trap game on Orlando, and they get back on track at Miami than at Cleveland. I don't. My question is, who in our who in Orlando guards LeBron James? It's is Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier. Don't Google. Don't Google. Never Fournier. Google. Uh, yeah, never. Aaron Gordon. I think. Uh, I mean, he tries. I guess, but. Um, yeah, I, wasn't I, there I, videos of Aaron Gordon trying to guard LeBron James in an open gym this summer, and it was just LeBron getting whatever he wanted? Yeah, in that New York gym, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But if I remember uh, correctly, I don't know. I don't know. It's a cross uh, cross country road trip, and um, I don't a, it's bold. That's a that's a bold take, Grant. I respect you for it, though. I, I, w- I wish it could be bold in, in the Lakers, uh, like in support of the Lakers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is that's my pessimistic bold take. I'll take, because I think they lose one, and I don't think it's in Cleveland, because LeBron James is going to be real fired up to play against his home crowd. Watch him which, rest. <laughs> that would, I mean, I I think that would be a very on-brand move for LeBron. Uh, especially if Dan Gilbert's in attendance, but I think uh, there's no chance he doesn't go off in Cleveland. And uh, I would like to say if he gets anything less than a standing ovation from that crowd at Quicken Loans, uh, they deserve to get their team taken away from them because he came home when he had no business to. The, uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers are so lucky that LeBron James was born in Akron, Ohio, or else they would have never seen an NBA championship ever. So if if he doesn't get a, the loudest standing ovation he's ever gotten, I I will have no respect for Cavaliers fans. It's hard to in the first place. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to uh, respect anybody that respects Dan Gilbert. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. He deserves, you know, you know all the love that he can get in Cleveland, and um, you know his impact is going to last forever there. Uh, he he deserves a standing ovation anytime he steps foot in the state of Ohio. Definitely. So Miami's the one I have them losing, only because I think uh, it's on the second night of a back to back. They have an All Star caliber player or All Star player because. It's, it's the Eastern Conference, which I, I really, I guess I, I can't even say that anymore because the Eastern Conference actually looks pretty stacked um, when you look at the top five teams and the top ten players in the league. But um, Goran Dragic is is 
one of my favorite players in the league. So I think he'll he'll look good against them. Josh Richardson has looked really good this season. Um, and on the second night of a back-to-back, I don't know if the Lakers are going to have it in them to uh, to take him down. So uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong as well, especially on the Orlando take. Because, man, that would be one game, one heck of a game to lose. Uh, so... Until we see you guys next time, check us out anywhere podcasts are available. And assuming you're listening to us already, you did your job. Uh, And if you like this podcast, feel free to leave a review. Um, And we will see you all next time. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.